I'm Mark Putman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. It is good to be together with you today. We are in our second week of our Lenten sermon series that is called Surrender. And during these weeks of Lent, we're spending some time focusing on Jesus's final words to his disciples as they were gathered in the upper room. You can find these words in what's called the final discourse sometimes in John's gospel in the 13th through the 16th chapters. And these are the words that Jesus chose to, spoke to, his, to speak to his disciples um, on the night that he was betrayed before he went to the cross. Well, last week we focused a little bit more on the actions of Jesus than on the words of Jesus. You remember, Jesus interrupted a fight between disciples over who was the number one disciple, who was the best disciple of them all. And Jesus didn't even speak a word. In fact, he wrecked the disciples by taking off his outer garment, bowing down, and washing the feet of those disciples. That is true greatness, having power, but using it with humility. Both pastors John and Jonathan washed feet on this stage last week during worship. If you weren't here, I can tell you it was a powerful, powerful moment, a powerful image that has not left me this week. So I want to repeat something, though, that was said last Sunday, and we'll probably continue to repeat it throughout this series. Because the title of this series, Surrender, at first glance, it may sound kind of like a tone-deaf title. Because we're all aware, as we see pictures and images and video footage and read stories about the horrific war that's happening in Ukraine. I mean, most of the world doesn't want the Ukrainians to surrender. We want them to be victorious against the evil act of aggression that is trying to take away their freedom. It's a David and Goliath battle. And I don't know about you, but I've been so inspired by the bravery of the men and the women and the children that I have seen in Ukraine. So why would we glorify surrender? Well, because in the biblical context, the scenario, the idea of surrender is very, very different than what Ukraine and Russia are facing. You see, in the biblical context, the battle is between God and Satan. It's between good and evil. It's between the perfection with which we were created And that sinful nature that is born inside each and every one of us. And so in this battle of the Christian life, it's not that we are being attacked by an aggressor that is like a nation. It is like the adversary, Satan, attacking us. It's not if we're going to surrender. It's to whom we are going to surrender. Will you surrender to God's way of living or to Satan's way of living? My friends, this is what holiness 
is all about. Choosing every single day of our life as we get up in the morning to surrender over and over again to Jesus Christ being the Lord of our life. James 4, 7 and 8 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I mean, you're going to surrender. I'm going to surrender. And you're either going to surrender to God's way or to the devil's way. So which will it be for you? I mean, Satan wants to do a work in you. He wants to use your pride and he'll lie in your ears, whisper things that aren't true. He'll want you to believe that sin is actually in your best interest and it's not Jesus says this in John 10.10. He says, the thief, that Satan, comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it to its fullest. My friends, I want that kind of life, and I want that kind of life for you. Don't you want it too? A fully abundant life offered only through Jesus And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Jesus' words that will literally change every single relationship that we have in our lives for the better. And that's great, isn't it? I mean, that's a game changer. Don't you want every single relationship that you have in your life to be better in every single way? I do. So let's go back to the upper room with Jesus and the disciples. And here we hear Jesus tenderly preparing the disciples for his death. He tells them that he's going away, he's going to leave them, and that where he's going, they can't journey with him right now, but he's going to open a door for them so that they will be able to follow and be with him again. They had gathered, as you remember, to celebrate the Passover meal. Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, And then he shares some news with them, some awful, some awkward, troubling news with them. He tells them that one of them is going to betray him. And they all look around like this. Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Who is it? What's he talking about? They're kind of confused. All except Judas. Judas knew what Jesus was talking about. And Jesus, of course, knew as well. Jesus tells Judas to go and do what he has to do and do it quickly. And so Judas gets up and he leaves the supper and he goes out into the darkness of the night. Now Jesus knew exactly what was happening. Jesus was surrendering to the Father's will for him. I mean, he could have stopped Judas, but he chose not to. Why? Because Jesus went willingly to the cross to pay the price for your sins and for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for your surrender, for your willingness to be obedient to God. And so Jesus, or so G- Judas has gotten up and he's left the supper and he goes to betray Jesus. And so I'm going to pick up in John's gospel, chapter 13, beginning in verse 31. When he was gone, 
Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus gave them a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. Now maybe you're thinking, that commandment doesn't sound very new to me. What's so new about this commandment? It seems like maybe I've heard that commandment somewhere before. So let's dig a little deeper this morning. Because to understand the significance of this commandment that Jesus gives, we need to understand the relationship between Jesus and the Old Testament. Now, there are several times in the Bible, in the Old Testament particularly, where God makes a covenant with human beings. And the covenant is often connected with a commandment. It's this two-way kind of agreement. God tells God, God tells the people what he expects of them, and then he says what he's going to re- do in return if they're obedient to him. God made covenants with people like Noah and, and Abraham and Moses and many others. And so Jesus' disciples are very familiar with this covenant of Moses because it's the whole basis of their legal system and the sacrificial system that's taking place at the temple. And so if Jesus is giving a new commandment, then we have to ask ourselves, what is the old commandment that this being based on? And it comes from God's covenant with Moses. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. That sounds pretty basic, doesn't it? But it was actually a radical thing in Moses' time. Because in Moses' world, retribution was the norm. It went something like this. If you slap my face, I'll punch you in the nose. And if you punch me in the nose, I'm going to break your arm. And it escalates and escalates and escalates. It never ends well, not until somebody's village is burned down or something like that. Moses' law didn't prevent you from defending yourself, just like the brave people in Ukraine are doing now. But it did make harmful escalation illegal. And that was a massive step forward in Moses' time, in Moses' day. So love your neighbor as yourself is a powerful command because it implies that you love yourself 
God loves you, and if God loves you, God didn't make anything bad, you better love yourself. In fact, if we think that there's something wrong with us the way God made us, we're really insulting God's creation, and we don't want to do that. This law teaches that we should treat our neighbor with kindness and respect and generosity because it's the way that we want to be treated as well, right? And so this means that God's people should lead the way when it comes to love and kindness and forgiveness. We're, we're patient with other people when they screw up because that's what we want them to be with us when we screw up. But Jesus takes that commandment to a whole different level. Listen again, John 13, 34. Jesus says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Notice what Jesus did not say. He did not say, the world will know you're a follower of mine by that political post that you put on Facebook. And he didn't say, the world will know that you're a follower of mine with that snarky little comment you make that puts people in their place that you think is so witty. I mean, there are a lot of us in the world today that thinks that that's the way we show the world that we love Jesus, but it's not. I mean, look, you're not always right. I hope that doesn't come as a shock to you today. You know what? You're not always right. And you know what? Neither am I. Sometimes that shocks me too, because I think I am, but I'm not either. (laughs) I mean, we can't always be right. But you know what? We can always be loving. We can always be loving. They are going to know that we're disciples of Jesus Christ by the way we love one another. Do we have strong opinions? Of course we have strong opinions. Absolutely. But how do we express them? By loving people. By loving people like Jesus loved us. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now let's be honest with each other. This is a hard commandment. It sounds like an easy commandment, but it is not a hard commandment. I mean, it's easy to embrace the concept, right? Oh, love everybody. But it's tough to actually do it with the people that are right in front of us sometimes, right? I mean, they annoy us. They let us down. They, their breath smells. I don't know. It's not easy to do all the time, okay? I mean, think about it. Your family, your friends, your coworkers, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other, Jesus says. And how does Jesus love them? Well, let's remember the context from last week. They're arguing about who is the number one disciple. And all the while, Jesus is washing their feet. I mean, the greatest man who ever walked the earth took the role of a servant for 12 guys that are going to abandon him and deny him and even betray him to his death. That's what love looks like. 
to Jesus and so to us. And it's not a transactional kind of love that says, I'm going to love you because you do nice things for me, loving things for me. No, this is a different kind of love. It's a kind of love that gives of itself sacrificially. It's a kind of love that gives deeply of itself. And the disciples are soon going to see that the foot washing was just the warm-up act. Because soon Jesus is going to stretch out his arms and give his life for us all on the cross. You see, the command to love one another was not a new command. The new part is that we are to love with this type of self-sacrificing love. The same kind of love that Jesus modeled when he washed the feet and when he went to the cross. He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. In Jesus, the covenant of Moses has been blown away so that we don't need the temple anymore. The prophet Jeremiah puts it like this when he predicted it in Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 31. He says, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. Jesus personally fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies and the Old Testament law. Jesus himself is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. It was like this giant arrow that Jeremiah is pointing to Jesus. When we gather together on the first Sunday of the month and celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember how Jesus took the cup and how he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. God gave the law to Moses. But the law could never save the people because we're sinners and we continually screw up. And so God sent his son to save us. What incredible news. Paul celebrates it this way in Romans 8, 1. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Amen? And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. And so God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body... God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Mm. That's what Jesus did for me. That's what Jesus did for you when he died on the cross. Because you see, when when you were living under the law, you were consistently filled with guilt and shame whenever we screwed up. 
But now we can live under grace, grace that is possible because of Jesus' perfect sacrifice. My friends, we've been given freedom in Jesus like we were singing just a little bit ago. And as upside down and as backward as that might seem, when we surrender to Jesus, when we submit to God, we find new freedom. Here's how Richard Foster describes the freedom that we find in surrender or submission in my favorite book by him called Celebration of Discipline. He writes, the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way is submission, is surrender. It's letting go of that obsession to demand that things go the way we want them to go. And that is one of the biggest bondages in human society today. People will spend weeks, months, even years in a perpetual stew because some little thing didn't go as they wished. They will fuss, they will fume, they will get mad about it, they will act as if their very life hangs on this issue. Jesus gave us a new covenant And thus we need a new commandment. And it's not so much the law that defines this new way of living as it is the grace that defines this new way of living. The the newness of this law of grace isn't just a random new idea. It's not Jesus saying, here, here's, I'm giving you this new loving life hack that'll make you 10% happier. No, it's, it's radically changing everything about the way we act and about the way we treat other people. People have failed to please God on their own strength. And so God came down and made it possible for us to have eternal life. Jesus has brought about a new covenant and a new commandment. And when we think about it, when we think back to the earliest days of Jesus' ministry, he's been doing this all along, hasn't he? Matthew records the Sermon on the Mount for us. And in that sermon, Jesus is contrasting the way that we lived under the law of Moses with the way that he is teaching us to live under his rule and his reign. Jesus takes the Old Testament law, which was given to Moses on Mount Sinai, and he steps it up with his own Sermon on the Mount. He says things like this. Moses said, do not murder. But Jesus said, don't be angry in a sinful way with another person. Moses said, do not commit adultery. But Jesus said, don't look with lust at another person who isn't your spouse. Moses said, an eye for an eye. But Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Moses said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, love your enemies. You see, Jesus didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled it. And he called us to love like he loves. This new commandment is absolutely impossible if you're trying to do it under your own strength. Trust me. It can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit that is living in you and working through you. The Apostle Paul paints a picture for us in Romans 12 of what it looks like to love other people as Jesus has loved us. He says, love must be sincere. 
Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Jesus' commandment isn't just for a new era. It's for a new life. You see, loving others as you love yourself is a great start. But when we are filled by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're empowered to love like Jesus loved. And this can only happen when we live a surrendered life. And this means surrendering our whole selves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, in the Bible, the idea of our soul refers to our whole being, not just that some immaterial part of us that leaves our body when we die and goes to heaven. You know, when I meet with my band of brothers every week, the first question we ask each other is, how is it with your soul? And that means, have I surrendered my thoughts to the way God wants me to think? Am I treating my body as the temple where the Holy Spirit lives? Am I surrendering all that I have? Our soul is all of us, our mind, our body, our will, our emotions, our heart. And to surrender our soul to God is to surrender all that we are. So what does it mean to love like Jesus loves by surrendering our mind? I mean, Satan often begins his attacks in our mind, doesn't he? I mean, if he can compromise your thoughts, he can compromise your actions. He doesn't have to make you start having an affair today. He can just make you start lusting after that person down the hall. He doesn't have to make you lash out with violent words or actions. He just needs to get you thinking hateful thoughts about that person who cut you off in traffic. He whispers lies in your minds instead of the truth that comes only from God. What does it mean to surrender our will? Do you long for the things of Jesus or the things of the world? What does it mean to surrender your emotions? They are gifts from the Lord, but when they're not under the lordship of Jesus, we can fall into sin. Is Jesus the Lord of your anger, the Lord of your fear, the Lord of your sadness and your joy? It's a lot to think about it, I know. And I sure know that I can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit working through me. And so we need to spend some time in prayer about that, don't we? I've asked Sharon Gard to come up and lead us today in a time of guided prayer. Sharon, will you come and spend a few moments with us and leading us in prayer?
Jesus really wants us to obey that new command. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Everything that Jesus did was rooted in his unconditional love. And when I used to think of that act of him washing the feet, the first thing that always came to my mind was just humility, the humility that he has. And now as I look at it, I see it's really more rooted in love. Um, Not that it doesn't have humility, but it's love that he's showing us too. And um, that's what he wants us to do, to love as he loved. And to actually do that, it's not easy, as Pastor Mark said, but we need to surrender ourselves. And when we surrender ourselves, we're going to surrender Um, to him as an empty vessel that he can love through us. And I always thought that it just made it so much easier to think that if he does it through me, um, then I can accomplish that and I can do that with him too. So this morning I'm going to guide us um, into a prayer of surrender. Um, We're going to pray silently with our minds, um, but we're also going to incorporate our bodies this morning, uh, more specifically our right hands, and I'll guide you through that. So we're going to go um, in an attitude of prayer um, now this morning and in a posture of prayer. So if you would bow your heads, close your eyes, just kind of settle in um, into the presence of the Lord. Oh, Jesus, we come before you today, your church, your body of Christ, with praise and with thanksgiving and with an attitude of surrender. We praise you this morning, Jesus, along with the angels, a singing of your glory, who are singing, holy, holy, holy is the lamb who sits on the throne. And we join our praises. We come to thank you for your amazing, incredible, profound love. We thank you for how you bless us and how you're always with us. Jesus, just as you lived in a spirit of surrender to the Father, we too seek this place of humility, the place of entire dependence on you. What a place of honor that is. So Lord, first we start with surrendering our minds to you. If you would take your right hand and just place it on top of your head, Jesus, we want to bind our minds to your mind. You who thought not of himself, but always of others in love. I confess that my mind is most often centered on myself. Help me, help all of us to root out our prideful thinking and other unhealthy, sinful thoughts as you reveal those thoughts that need to go to us this morning. that our emotions and our wills are impacted by our thought life. Holy Spirit, help each of us to set our minds on things that are above and to take every thought captive and make it obedient to you. 
want you to picture now that Jesus is placing his hand on your hand. And he's doing his healing and healing of your mind and your transforming of your mind. He is indeed raising up his mind, as his word says, that we have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want you to take your hand and, and place it over your heart. Jesus, we want our affections to be your affections. So many times, my selfish emotions derail my life and derail and dethrone my reasoning. When feelings like fear and worry, jealousy and anger overtake us, our capacity to love is diminished. We pray, Lord, that you would renew our emotions and guide us to love the right things. Reign in our hearts. Change our hearts. Now I want you to picture Jesus again, placing his hand over your hand. He's doing that so our hearts will start to beat in rhythm with his loving heart. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We want our emotional lives to be shaped in response to your character. We want to rejoice with those who rejoice. We want to mourn with those who mourn. We want everything that comes up from us to be rooted in you and your character of love and joy and peace. Thank you. And now, Lord, we take that right hand and we lift it up. We lift it up to you as an act of surrendering our will to your will. Jesus, just as you walked in perfect obedience to the Father, only doing what you saw he was doing, so we want to walk. You humbled yourself and became obedient to death, all out of your great love. Oh, to love like that. Lord, I repent. We all repent from so often using our wills thoughtlessly and selfishly. Cast out anything that keeps us from allowing you to love others through us. Reveal what that might be to us this morning. Maybe it's fear, pride, judging. critical spirit Lord everything else that impacts our capacity to love unconditionally will you take it out from us
Holy Spirit, will you help us to discern what the will of God is? His good and perfect, acceptable and pleasing will. And now I want you to imagine that Jesus is placing his right palm onto your hand. Just showing us that we, that he's there with us, that he is a promise keeper and he will walk with us. He will empower us to love like he loves as we surrender our wills and our actions over to him. going to claim a promise as we end here today, your promise. Your promise says that you are working in us, giving us the desire to obey you and the power to do what pleases you. We pray all this this morning in that powerful name of Jesus. Amen and so be it.